You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Stage Door Podcast, the podcast celebrating theatre and creativity from onstage mishaps to career-defining moments. Hosted by thespians myself, Tori, and co-host Eliza, fortnightly we will bring you industry professional guests, deep dives, and more. Hello everyone and welcome back to Stage Door Podcast. Today we are spicing things up with an interview with our very own Tori. We are also joined again by the amazing Gareth Isaacs, replacing them as my co-host today. So, hello, Gareth. Welcome. Hello, Lies. Thank you for having me. Well, 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 Tori. Your power <laughs> has been transferred. It shall not be returned until I am sated. How do you feel? Oh, I'm so nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get into the interview, we would like to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation and the Tabal people of Ugera, the traditional custodians of the land on which we work, live and record, and we recognise their continuing connection to land, water and community. Now, regular listeners will know a little bit about our lovely co-host Tori, but we thought we would give you a bit of spiel anyway. Like I said, I have power and I am going to use it. A novelist, playwright, podcast presenter, and performing artist in their own right, Tori is about to bring the moving narrative of The Shift to audiences for the Sydney Fringe Festival, presenting a personal story in an intimate and powerful light. A Bachelor of Music Theatre graduate at AIM, Tori has applied their performance skills across both stage and screen, with their TV credits including the successful series Love Child. Most recently, they have taken to the stage as the March Hare in a new Australian musical, Alice's Adventures, a project that has seen their... their Oh my gosh, word, sorry, (laughs) brain... A project that has seen their contribution from 2021 through to the premiere performance in 2022. Other performance highlights for Tori have included their roles as Celeste in Sunday in the Park with George and Abigail Williams in The Crucible. Over the past four years, Tori has harnessed their unique voice as a writer, allowing themselves to dig deeper into their creativity and share the realities of their world as they see it. As a queer, non-binary artist, Tories drawn from their own experiences and the community around them to form works reflective of a new era of writing, encompassing the perspectives of LGBTQIA plus community, a theme they continue to explore in their works, alongside the negotiations of daily life and the outcomes of these forces in their characters' actions, The Shift sees Tories' first published exploration of these ideas, brought to life by an incredible and diverse cast. All right, scale of one to ten, how did I do for the intro? Oh, Absolutely fantastic. 
blitz. Thank you. It did, I'm I'm very fresh to this. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Hello, Tori. Hi. I haven't just spent an hour with you. <laughs> I know. This is so. I'm like I was. I prepared meta, myself for this, but also I'm like sitting here like. Yeah, it, it's weird being on the other side, isn't it? It's so weird. You're not in control anymore. <laughs> I know. It's very weird. Yeah, you have made a terrible error in judgment. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, hello. We decided to do this today because Tori has been doing some incredible work lately and is also diving into this new I guess new era new era of performer writer podcaster all the above and doing so incredibly well um can you tell us a little bit about what was the one thing that made you want to become a performer oh my for me I feel like it's the same for everyone I've always been um you know a theatrical kid um I actually started um, from a young age, I used to be a figure skater. If you didn't know that, I was a competitive figure skater, which is a very weird sport for Australia. Um, yeah, growing up, I was a figure skater and I was also homeschooled. Um, and then I eventually moved into high school. And I think growing up, we always kind of went and saw like, you know, the big touring productions at like the Capitol and things like that. And then I started high school and I was at a visual arts high school and absolutely hated it with a passion and um you know I think I was given the option of when I was finishing year nine my mum gave me the option of I could either go and do a year abroad so go and do an exchange program for a year or I could move schools um and so I decided that I wanted to move schools um because I did not want to come back to the school that I was in And I um, moved to a school called the Australian Performing Arts Grammar School, APGS. I guess kind of the rest is history. I saw Wicked when I was maybe in year seven. That was kind of a big turning point for me because that was, you know, anyone who goes to theatre with me knows that I always cry in an overture. But I think when I heard the overture for Wicked for the first time, I was like, oh, like, that's what I want. I want to be one of those people up on stage belting for the gods then I went and studied music theater and here I am (laughs) and then you met me and I did (laughs) I gave myself a really wicked concussion and met Eliza and I met (laughs) Gareth and was just in awe of this very tall lanky man and was like ah Mm. And then continually asked me to edit your scripts for you throughout your entire university career. Oh, yeah. Well, once, oh, yeah. maybe twice. <laughs> yeah, a few times for the same script. I think I still have the draft somewhere on our oh, yeah. drive. It's <laughs> terrible. So, speaking of script writing, this is in fact why we are here. You have written and are beginning to produce a play, yes. which is incredible. Yes. Tell us about The Shift. Um. So... The Shift explores um, a coming to terms with the truth of who you are and how becoming your true self impacts not only yourself, but those around you. That is the little <laughs> little spiel um, that my absolutely fabulous producer, Andy Freeborn, wrote for this show. Because I, even whilst I'm the person that wrote the show, I don't necessarily know how to explain it in the best way. Um, the Shift is yeah it's this this let me try that again it yeah explores coming to terms with who you are 
um, and being your truest self. Um, so it follows um, it follows a few different characters, but the main characters that it follows are Jamie and August, um, who are at one of their usual weekly movie dates to the cinema um, and are kind of, you know, struggling with their own things a bit. Um, and August kind of, you know, in, in a very unintentional way, spoiler alert, tells Jamie that they think that they're trans um and they think that they are actually a trans woman um so it's this exploration of not only this um you know coming out and coming to terms with it but also the impact that it has on them both individually and also the people around them in the cinema there are also a few other characters in this show um we have Alexis Naomi and Peter and it kind of comes to terms with your gender identity, your sexual identity, um, and also just, you know, uh, there are a lot of um, topics discussed in it, like body image, um, you know, self-deprecation, things like that, um, coping mechanisms, and yeah, it kind of just deals with that and um, looks as well as people's internal monologues and you know, um, that old trait of, you know, when you're walking down the street and you make eye contact with someone and you're like, oh my God, that person thinks I look awful. They think I look really bad. And that person's just strumming around being like, yeah, I feel like chicken fingers for tonight. Yeah. That's what I can do as an adult. Um, you know, getting into people's (laughs) mentality, um, talking about neurodivergence, mental health and gender identity. I, I wish I could come and see it, but obviously I can't. But I shall be getting the script, don't you worry. <laughs> <laughs> but what do you think inspired, like, what inspired you to write this story in the first place? It's, it was in a really roundabout, weird way. Um, I never, as many people who work in the creative field, I was like, I'm never going to write a show. Like, I have many friends, for example, Andy, who has written fabulous amazing shows and I've always looked at them and been like I could never do that and I would never do that and I'm like that's your thing you're amazing um I actually did um an ATYP um creating your own work writing course but I went into it because um I've always been a writer in a sense but I more so in like a novel sense like writing books um and I actually went to learn how to write better dialogue because I've always hated writing dialogue. But part of that course was we did need to write and present an excerpt of a script or just like, you know, write a scene and present a scene. And I was just writing something super like casual, I guess. I was writing something um loosely based on my recital because I was like, that's what I already know and I've already kind of got a basis for it. And we had this wonderful conversation about sharing stories that other people are not able to share themselves whether it be someone that is not a creative whether it be someone that is not comfortable sharing it themselves but would want to share it through someone else um and my wonderful partner danielle had um recently probably about a year prior come out as trans um and i thought that there was this really interesting part of our story that I had not seen previously in media in any form, which was, you know, the ups and downs, the negatives, and also the impact that it has on the people around us. 
And after kind of having a bit of a conversation with her, I decided that I was just going to start working on this because the piece that I was writing at the time, I was like, this is boring. Like, I I don't want to write. I don't want to read this, let alone write it. Mm. And I just decided to give it a try and wrote a first scene that I presented at the end of this course and had a couple of people say to me, like, that's really good and you should share this story and that was in the beginning of 2021 maybe and I kind of was like yeah cool and then once the course was done I just didn't touch it again and it wasn't until because the, the classic writer thing yes. of I've written something wonderful I'm gonna leave it alone yeah. and because I had this fear of you know editing it because I had written an entire script because at first I was just gonna write a scene and then I kind of started writing and didn't want to stop writing and wrote an entire script and but it was like yep no that's done we're not gonna touch that again and then I started doing another show and was talking to people at that show about about my piece just like in passing about what I'd been doing in the past year, somebody asked to read it. Somebody gave me notes. Once again, I looked at those notes and was like, yep, cool. Put those away. Not ever touching this again. And I was having a conversation with a friend and the beautiful Christelle Zabara. And she was like, well, Sydney Fringe is coming up. Why not just do that? And I was like, nah. And but and here and then and then here we are. <laughs> you said no to it, and then immediately did the thing. Yeah. This is the most Tory move I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it definitely sounds like we're writing what we know at the moment with the shift. Mm-hmm. Like you're utilizing real life experience into this, frankly, wonderful sounding story. So let's talk about the Sydney Fringe for a hot second. So you're producing something for the first time, like. I know what that's like. I've done Sydney Fringe myself, wrote a cabaret and put it on a few years back. So for those who don't know, tell us, what does the process of getting that kind of work up look like? Oh, that's a wonderful question. And I'm not the person to ask that question because I am not producing it. I have a producer. (laughs) My fabulous producer, Andy, which it's so funny. Um, Andy was the writer of um, Alice's Adventures. It was weird because so once Christelle had kind of, you know, said Sydney Fringe, it's free to apply. I was like, you know what, I'll get some information, see what the deal is, and I am a bit, I'm a redhead, I'm a, I'm a little, I'm a little dim sometimes, and put my information in, put the title of the show, The Shift, in, um, hoping that it would kind of send me an email, or, you know, it would take me to where I could find more information, and then I got this thing, and like, congratulations, you're registered for Sydney Fringe, and I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, I, that's not what I wanted to do. That's, no, no. And then I was like, I said that to Christelle and Christelle was like, great, you're doing it. And I was like, no, I was not, uh, panic, like panicked messaged Andy and was like, hey, remember when you read that script of mine like a year ago and you said that like, you know, if I ever wanted to do that, you'd be really interested. Hey, well, I accidentally kind of organized it and I'm doing it. Um, help me, please. I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and Andy and I had a sit down together and... Um, kind of talked about what I wanted from the show, how I kind of saw it, you know, progressing. And then he was like, yeah, cool. Let's do it. And I think I'm, I'm very blessed to have Andy as my producer, because if not, I don't know if I would be where I am with the show, because I would have no idea what I'm doing. 
very, very lucky to have someone as wonderful as the brilliant Andy on my team. In terms of producing it, I don't know too much about that size, but for us, we decided because this is the first kind of iteration of it being on stage that we wanted to work with a group of people um, that we kind of knew and trusted with this work and trusted to also be willing to workshop it, knowing that this is not a final work. Like the first script I gave to them, the first reading we did an entire scene. I was like big black marker. Like, absolutely not. That is cut. We are completely redoing that. (laughs) Um, So we have um, such a wonderful, wonderful cast. Um, So we decided not to audition and just kind of to reach out to people, see if they would be interested, give them a copy of the script and go from there. And we have the fantastic Jess Ramsey as the dramaturg for this show. Um, and uh, they have done absolute wonders so far. Um, but as for producing it, I could not tell you other than it's really scary. Um, doing things like the logo design um, by the wonderful Garden Song on Instagram, who I will link down below. And he was like, what are you thinking for the design? And I was like, oh my God, I have zero idea. I was like, outside of this script, I am absolutely useless. Other than um, being neurodiverse, um, sorry, neurodivergent, neurodiverse, neurogent, neurodivergent, um, uh, I have a lot of like sound and lighting kind of images in my head of how this works. Um, But Andy was like, well, this is kind of what I'm imagining for the logo. And I was like, yep, that's, that's exactly what was in my brain. But I don't know how to put that into words. You go like, be free. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> actually, on that note, you you're actually doing some um, performances that are are they low sensory performances? Yeah. Is that correct? So we are doing um, two performances of this show. Sorry, my AirPods are dying, so I'm just gonna whack that in there. <laughs> two performances of the show. Thursday the 15th of September and Saturday the 17th and the Thursday showing is going to be um, a sensory friendly production and it will also be Auslan interpreted so it just means that things like the lighting the sounds everything will kind of be to a much lower extent it will not be to the full extent of what it would normally be for the show Um, and because the show does deal with um, you know at least two of the characters in this show are neurodiverse Um, And a lot of the actors in this show are also neurodiverse. So we want to make it a really safe space for people to be able to come and see the show and feel comfortable. So having the lighting, you know, up a little bit more so people can see their surroundings. If people need to stim, if they need to move, they can and they're they're more than welcome to. And it will also be Auslan interpreted because um, I want to make this an accessible space for everyone. And as someone that is um, neurodivergent, um, I want it to be a space that I would feel comfortable seeing a show in. Therefore, I wanted to make it comfortable for audiences as well. So we're really lucky to be working with the 107 Theatre. That is an accessible performance space. Yeah, Marvellous stuff. And this is what I love about Sydney Fringe. They do actually give you the tools and the opportunity to do things like this. If this were a larger scale performance, say something at Belvoir, you would have one show potentially towards the end of the run that would be low sensory for people who like us are neurodivergent hello i'm part of the gang as well <laughs> let's go gang <laughs> yeah. it's, it, it's all right scale of one to ten it's like a seven so let's talk rehearsal processes like because it's a new work i'm guessing rehearsals mm-hmm. would have changed all the time so 
tell me about what it's been like so far. Like, what's it like hearing the work come to life, so to speak? Yeah. Oh, it is insane. The first reading that we did all together on our first rehearsal was so, so wonderful. And to give you a glimpse into the the wonderful, uh, brilliant cast that we have, we have Caitlin Koprovec as Jamie and Zachary Alexander as August, who are our two leads. Then we do also have the absolutely incomparably talented Cassie Hamilton as... Oh no, I always get the two characters <laughs> mixed up. <laughs> How bad is that? I wrote the show. Oh yeah, what's his name? <laughs> so we have the um, insanely talented creative Cassie Hamilton as Alexis and Addie Roberts as Naomi. And of course, someone who I'm yet to meet, and I'm so excited I finally get to work with them on Monday, is Patrick Howard as Peter. It's been insane because the first time reading it... Um, a few of these people were involved in the first table reading we ever did in June this year. And I had a really specific um, person in mind for the role of Jamie because of the kind of their mannerisms and the way that they talk and the way that they act. Um, and when Andy came to me and was like, hey, who do you want to, to play this role? And I was like, I might be reaching for the stars because she's doing, she's, she's making her way up in the world, but I want Caitlin Koprovec. I was like, that's the, oh, that's, she is perfect. Um, and when she said yes, I was like sitting on the phone with Andy and I was like, yes, <laughs> it's all coming together. <laughs> um, I remember getting the messages and you were like, I'm so excited. And I'm like, I'm so excited. This is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that's the joyous thing I think about booking an actor like Caitlin. Mm. She's always just so happy yeah. to do whatever. Like mm-hmm. despite all the success mm-hmm. that she's having, all these wonderful projects that are going on the up and up, you throw her a ball and she will knock it right back at you saying, let's go. A hundred percent. Yeah. And so far the cast have been like an absolute dream to work with. They're so open and willing to have conversation about the characters and to delve deeper into them. Um, You know, it's definitely been a workshopping process of kind of also for me hearing the words out loud and I guess acted for the first time and going, oh, that that kind of doesn't really work how I want it to um, and giving a lot of... um, creative handling to the cast as well to be like hey this isn't sitting really well for me this is what I want to be kind of portrayed here can you have a little bit of a play around with that and kind of see what feels most natural so it's been so wonderful having such a wonderful cast that is so open and willing to workshop this with me um, because it's really something that I've had to get my head around that this is not when I pre- presented them the the draft of the script that they were working on in the first rehearsal, having to be like, it's okay, this isn't the final draft, Tori. You know that it's not the final draft. They know it's not the final draft. But there was always this thing of me being like, every draft I said has to be the one where they're like, amazing, no edits, we don't need to change anything. Um, it's also a show that I, um, as the writer, feel really comfortable saying I'm happy with some improvisation to kind of happen with it, um, if it makes it feel more naturalistic to them, because it really, we really are leaning into um, the naturalism side of theatre with this show. So it's been wonderful so far with the rehearsal process, and we're two weeks out. When this comes out, we'll be one week out, Time's which is terrifying. terrifying. I hate it. <laughs> um, but so wonderful because I still can't believe that this is whenever I see them do it 
I'm just absolutely in awe of these actors to bring this piece of mine to life. I never thought, you know, that I would do something like this. And the fact that also having to remind myself that, um, because, you know, good old-fashioned imposter syndrome, that they want to do this and the people are excited to see this. Yeah, it brings me so much... So much joy. Oh, you've you've been working so hard as well for so many years. And not only, you know, we experience all the life experiences, but you've always been very into, into writing and writing, um, you know, novels and writing other things. So it's, it's really cool to kind of see your two different sides of Tori kind of combine into this like mega ultimate you know, uh, transformer, I guess you could say, of your writing side and your performing side coming together to create something really special, which is... Most definitely. Yeah. You've done the fusion dance, you've created one mega performer, it'll last for 30 minutes, that's a Dragon Ball reference. (laughs) Exactly. So I guess, like, where do you want to see the work in the future? Are you hoping to put it on again, or are you hoping, you know, where, where do you want to see it? I do. um, Obviously, I think it is really dependent on how this first run at Sydney Fringe goes. But and I feel like we've had this conversation with other people before on on the podcast. Um, Independent theatre in Australia is really hard to get on more than once. But that is currently, I think, really being proven wrong, especially by people like Sarah Carroll, who we've had on before, who's doing Cherry and who's going to be doing it at Sydney Fringe again and is also going to be now doing it at Melbourne Fringe. Um, I, I want this show to keep going and keep growing. Um, I would love to possibly do maybe next year some other Fringe festivals. I would love to maybe have an independent run of the show if, if all goes well and, um, you know, it resonates with audiences. I know that it's maybe not a show that is going to resonate with everyone I mean, I hope it does, and I would really love for it to keep going and keep growing and keep working on it, because I have now learnt that I will never be finished <laughs> editing this show and making changes. Yeah, I want it I want it to I want it to get another run. I would love it to get a longer run mm. as well because we will only be getting two nights, which I am so grateful mm. to be having more than one night because a, a big thing for me was having an accessible showing of it where I could make it um, neurodiverse friendly and also Auslan interpreted but I'd love it to have a longer run and have more time to work with my actors because we've, we've had you know quite a small rehearsal period uh, which they've done phenomenally in yeah I want it I want it I want it to keep going I want it to keep growing and see well it's in the right growing space for it the Sydney Fringe definitely loves to harbour and nurture up-and-coming works and plays like So many shows from Sydney will end up going to Edinburgh, for example. There's like a Most Prepared for Edinburgh award at the Fringe Awards each year, I believe. So I can't wait to see how well your show does. It's going to be so exciting. Thank you. So let's take a little break. Give Tori a little bit of water for a second. So I can introduce us to our game for this episode. Dun, dun, dun. Yes, I've been given too much power again. You've let me off the chain and I cannot be rechained. This is a game of trivia, my friends. I'm calling this trivia that is potentially heavily biased towards our guest. Oh, I love that. I love that. Because these are, in fact, all questions about Tori. 
Oh my god, no! This is gonna be so embarrassing if I get them wrong! <laughs> That's alright, like I said, it's heavily biased towards our guests, so who knows, you might be expected to get them wrong. Who knows? Exactly, Woo! exactly, exactly. Woo! <laughs> oh god, I'm a mess. Alright, so we're not operating on the uh, giving each person a question variant this time. It's the first person to shout the answer out. <gasps> okay. Oh my god, chaos. Because that, that's how we roll today. I love okay, it. Okay, qu- question number one. What year did Tori graduate from AIM? Oh, Tori! Tw- <laughs> Just yell out the answer. 2017. Yep, there we go. <gasps> I got it! Yes! <laughs> Apparently Tori graduated in the year Tori, according to Tori. According to Tori. <laughs> yes! <laughs> I was very clear with the rules. The rules were clear. I just completely ignored it. Tori went yeah, like I, I, You know what? I'm hurt, but I'll allow it. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, question two. What is Tori's Twitch, Instagram, and TikTok handle? The Lilith Neverland! Neverland! <laughs> Tori got it out first. Yay, I win! I win at knowing my own name! We are a point each. Okay. Alright, this one's a good one. What is the name of Tori's Dungeons and Dragons character? Oh, God. Which one? <laughs> oh, God. Um, What's the one that I would know? Morigana! There he is, thank you. I had no hope. I had no hope. <laughs> I'm a bad friend. <laughs> or potentially, I'm just chaotic. Yeah, uh, yeah, that works too. Here's a very good one. What was Tori's go-to audition monologue in 2021? Oh, no! I have no <laughs> clue! Um, it was Anna Roby and the House of Dogs. Correct. Was that, was that or that? it was Helena from A Midsummer Night's Dream. Dream. Yes. Both would have been acceptable. Well, we have one final question. Okay. And this one is so specific. Okay. What is the name of the fantasy author that Gareth is continuously pestering Tori to read? Oh my gosh. Brando Sando? Correct. I also would have accepted Banderson Sanderson or B-Sand. Brandon Sanderson. He has the silliest fucking name in the history of authors. (laughs) Yeah, look. (laughs) I love it. I had no hope there, guys. Absolutely zero hope. But I got one in. Well, you got one in. Congratulations. (laughs) <laughs> Look, you're aware of what year I graduated, unlike me. I always say 2018. No, because I graduated in 2018, so I knew I was like, it's 2017. And this, my <laughs> friends, is yet another example oh of why my. Gareth should not be allowed to run the game. Thank you. <laughs> no, we love it. We love it. We love it. <laughs> so let's get back. Let's dive right back into Goodness the interview. Me. Uh, dear sweet Tori, so this show is based not only on the journey of you observing a partner suddenly realising that they are trans, but I believe also just your general life experience as a whole. So your own journey with your gender and sexuality has evolved over the past few years, I think we're safe to say that. So has this then impacted the stories that you write and the works you Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely something, and I think also through my writing has also helped me, like has also evolved my gender identity as well I do now identify as non-binary because for me and non-binary it means very different things for everyone um for me it just means I am Tori I don't identify as male or female um I just identify as Tori a human living on this earth that exists here (laughs) and we love you is me (laughs) ding 
So it's definitely um, helped me as well. For me, I was never kind of, I think I've just always been queer. I've never like had like that big coming out where I've been like, mom, dad, I'm gay. I think my, my family have just always kind of known that I'm was like a little fruity. And so I do identify as abrosexual, um, non-binary. If you don't know what abrosexual means, the easiest way to describe it is um, sexual fluidity. And I think they've just always known that. So for me, it's made writing works like this really important because for the longest time, for being introduced to things like non-binary and things like abrosexuality, I legitimately felt like there was something incorrect with me. Like there was something wrong. Like... I was like, oh, I shouldn't feel this way. This is like some like, I don't know. I'm I'm wrong. I shouldn't be this way. Um, other people aren't this way. Um, and then thanks to theatre and the theatre community. And also, again, a big shout out to Andy who introduced me to abrosexuality. And pretty much from the moment that they described it to me, I was like, oh my God. For years, this is what I've been feeling. And that puts a name to it. Not that you have to label it. But for me, that really helped in going, okay, I'm not wrong. This is a thing. And other people also experience it, which is lovely. And fun fact, Abrosexuality Day is on the 2nd of July, which is my birthday. It's also Andy's birthday. Um, So we celebrate being cute little NB abrosexuals on our birthday. Um, But it's impacted the stories that I write because I want to make everyone feel seen I want um, and obviously I can't make everyone feel seen because I can only write about my own personal experience and for example my partner Danny's experience Um, but I want to make people feel like they're seen not only in life but also in theatre and make it um, a diverse and open space for everyone Um, so I think it's really helped me having this personal experience come to terms not only with my own sexuality but hopefully maybe help other people know that there is nothing wrong with who they are that um the most important thing is to be you um and to be comfortable with who you are and it's okay to be uncomfortable with who you are because sometimes it takes a while to you know learn who you are and it's also okay that that will constantly change which is also um, a big part of this story that I'm telling that um change is scary and I know that it's scary because I am constantly afraid of change um but it happens and that's that's life change is gonna happen and we just have to panic a little bit breathe and just let what happens happen um because as much as we can try and change as much as we can try and change who we are and make ourselves something else we will always be yeah. who we are and who we're meant to be. I guess because, like, as well, you are writing about your own life experiences and with Danny as well. Like, how is that then writing the work and then taking it and being like, hi, hi, babe, like, here's, here it is, and, like, do you want to read it and things like that? How did that experience feel to you? And, like, what was that like? Yeah, that was a weird experience, I think, for both of us because... So I've had a lot of input from Danny in this um, for August's specific scenes, especially for internal monologue scenes. Um, we really sat down and kind of worked together through um, what it was like for her coming out. 
um, which I know is a very hard thing for her to talk about. So I'm so grateful that she is so um, comfortable and opening and willing to have these conversations with me. Um, so pretty much Danny has not been able to listen to any of it. Oh, wow. Um, so she has, I've had her read, I think, um, uh, an August scene once, because obviously August is very heavily based on her and her experience. And I've had her read it, I think, once. And she read it and she was like, thumbs up. That's what you want. <laughs> she was like, is good. Um, but I can understand how uh, traumatic that would that is and can be for someone who is trans and is transitioning um, to relive such an awful like part of your life where you were so uncomfortable with who you are that you had this realization that okay because this is not who I am it's definitely been a weird experience it's also been a very confronting experience I think for us both um because I had to come to terms with a lot of the um you know this is not necessarily a light and fluffy piece of theater um it does deal with mental health and mental illness um, and also the negative sides of this, which is what we wanted to show. We didn't want to show a berries and cream version of it where it was just like everyone was happy and, um, you know, this person has come out and you're like, yippee, let's run off into the sunset together. We showed that, you know, love is not always easy. Um, when you love someone, sometimes things are really hard. Um, and also... I think especially for neurodivergent brain, you jump to things really quickly. Um, so for the character of Jamie, negative thoughts come really quickly. Um, and they're not even negative thoughts about the other person. It's negative thoughts about themselves. Like, what have I done wrong? What have I done to make this happen? So it has been quite confronting, but also has also almost been a way to come to terms with that part of life and also knowing that... Um, I never meant any of the thoughts that I had, nor did Danny mean any of the negative thoughts that she had in a detrimental way or a way that continued yeah. after those split second thoughts. Like they were split second thoughts yeah. that then were gone and never came back. Because we're all human. And that's. Speak for yourself, I'm a beep boob right. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> exactly. Like we are all human, and that's like part of the life is messy, life isn't perfect, life isn't the most um, mm-hmm. straightforward of love stories, I guess you could say. So yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. There's that wonderful old yeah. phrase, grant me the serenity to accept the things I can't change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. That, I think, is exemplified a lot in what you're talking about, Tori. Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's been so fulfilling to work on this piece, and I, and I hope that people will um, relate to it in the way that we relate to this story being told. 100%. So, Tori, tell us, have you got any other works in the process of being written? Obviously, the shift has taken up a big amount of your time, but have you got anything else on the back burner? I guess I do, yes. Um, Obviously, yes, the shift has taken up a lot of my time, and also I do work full-time, and I I do a lot. I work full-time, I obviously have this wonderful podcast Mm -hmm. which I love very dearly um I have been working on the shift also trying to like you know just live a normal life as well um but I do have um not another play in the works at the moment um at the moment this is my main focus but I do have a cabaret that um for some crazy moment when I applied for Fringe I was like yeah I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna put a cabaret this doesn't sound like you at all Um, (laughs) and someone 
um, another producer who I was talking with who was interested in doing this cabaret with me, we had the great conversation with, where she was like, like, yes, love it, let's do it, but also can, like, will you, will you mentally survive it? And I was like, you know what, probably not. Um, so I decided to put that on the back burner. Um, but I do have a cabaret that I would like to, um, hopefully do a run of next year that I'm still very much, still very early development, but it's all about neurodivergence and that side of life and also about gender identity, but it's a cabaret, which is much more my kind of thing. People often ask me why I'm not in the shift, like why I'm just writing it and not in it. I'm like, because it's very real for me. And it's also because I've written it a certain way, the way that Caitlin has taken the role of Jamie and made it her own is so phenomenal. And I would never have been able to do that myself because I would have been like, this is how I wrote it. Therefore, this is how I'm going to perform it. Um, Whereas a cabaret for me is just like a really heightened version of myself. So I feel much more comfortable, obviously, performing that myself. And it is much more my forte. So yeah, I do have a cabaret that is currently titled Train of Thought. <laughs> Love that. Because um, it takes place on a train. Um, choo-choo. Yes, a choo-choo. Yeah. Well, we can't wait to see it come out, and as well as we can't wait to see The Shift. For those who are interested, The Shift is happening at 107 Redfern on the Thursday the 15th and Saturday the 17th of September. For more information, head to sydneyfringe.com. Tori, we're so excited. Thank you for, I guess, joining us. Even though you're here every time. <laughs> it was so weird. Thank you for <laughs> indulging me in this. This was really weird and I now understand how unprepared I felt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's uh, it was definitely something we wanted to do because we wanted you guys, like the audience, to also get to know a little bit about what we're doing. And um, this is like the perfect opportunity because it's such an um, amazing moment in your career and in your journey as a writer. So we definitely had to do it. And it was fun having Gareth here as, as my co-host. I, I gotta say, I'm getting used to the hot seat. I'm I'm okay with this. Yeah. I would like to do it again sometime. It's great, isn't it? It's good being on like the the question side because you're like, oh yeah, and then you're just asking them all the questions. And now Tori's like, exactly. Oh, what? Also, I didn't have to do any research into musicals. No, like this this is great. I didn't have to come in prepared. I oh just my had God. to know how to ask Amazing. questions. I know it's it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Well, thank you guys so much, and thank you, Tori, for sharing all of this with us. We hope you all enjoyed, and until next time, stay happy, healthy, and safe, and we will see you then. Bye! Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.